This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the marketing madman with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino here with Trip Job, and today we're going to continue our series on agencies. Uh, I think today is a different kind of agency, uh, but a lot of the principles are the same, and we might as well cover all our bases, right, Trip? Uh, we talk enough smack against agencies, yeah. so giving them a chance to defend themselves and tell us what they really do and make us look silly is an opportunity I love to love to take on. So, what do we got in store for today, Trip? Oh, absolutely, Nick, and uh, I think we're a little more in my sweet spot and uh, strategy and B two B. So we're a fortunate. I've uh, got a good friend, uh, I think uh, Maura Vetter, who is the founder and CEO of Moto Moto Agency. I think we've known each other for about 10 years, yep, yep. and uh, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much. And also with you, um, we have Nicole Wedekin, who officially is Director of Strategy, but I love the title you gave me, Chief Smart Lady. Yes. Yeah, yes. So welcome, Nicole. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah, no. So um, we have, this is our third in the series, as you know, um, we had a couple other great agencies that were a little more consumer-focused. And um, while we'll get into the B2B side of things, you know, I think one of the things I've known more, and, and we've been on some boards together, and, you know, I think where you go back is you run a business yourself. Mm-hmm. And why don't you talk a little bit about Motomoto, but also how you bring, you know, the thoughts of business from your own perspective to your clients. Yep. Well, you know, thank you very much for having us on. And Nicole and I finish each other's sentences for a living, so uh, I'm hoping the same will happen here. But, um, you know, as a as a business owner, um, you know, I started my early career wearing all the hats. And <clears throat> I think when you are able to be a salesperson and a finance person yeah. and a customer service person, you have a much deeper understanding of, of marketing. Uh, you know, of brand, of, of real brand promise, right, as opposed to just the marketing of a brand. Um, and so I feel uh, that's something that, you know, that is important to us at the agency, and I think it's a differentiator for us that we always go back to what is the business about and, you know, how, how do you how do you matter in the world and then how do we take that into the brand and the marketing? And so, you know, that as, as a business owner, you know, I, I'm steeped in that. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we really work with our clients to bring that same kind of comprehensive view of business and yeah. brand. It so. changes the KPIs, right? If you've totally. been in sales and you've been in finance and your concept of a KPI is a lot different than if you've just been the guy in the marketing guy or the girl in the marketing side of it. We say it all the time, you right. know. I believe it is much easier to train a salesperson to market than a marketer to sell. Selling is a very in, innate thing in you, so um, uh, very on brand for what we talk about. But that's that's in, that's incredibly important to hear that it started that way, because I have to imagine that it, your clients' results are what matter, and you have that gut feeling of what those results really are, even if they're telling you the wrong thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, even uh, this morning I was uh, looking on LinkedIn and. Um, you know, the CMO of Piedmont uh, is celebrating his three-year anniversary, and all of he, he has 20 stats that are about the business, about 
retention, right. about, you know, expanse, about impact in the community. And then at the very bottom, he says, and our brand's doing pretty well, you know, in brand studies. Uh, and I do want to interrupt yeah. to say, since I brought up the three-year anniversary, that Nicole is celebrating her seven-year anniversary at Moto Moto today. Congrats. Hey, Thank you. Fantastic. And, we would have had uh, champagne had we known. Yeah, well, next it's time. not that's only... back at the office. And not only is it, your, I guess, your seventh-year anniversary, but you recently uh, had a little celebration mm-hmm. for Moto Moto, and we didn't mm-hmm. really get into that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the business? Yeah. And uh, you had a birthday just uh, yes, a couple months ago, we I think. Did. Uh, so Moto Moto is a full service B2B agency. Um, we're here in Atlanta, but we uh, really um, support clientele all over global brands, Fortune 500. But we had our 15 year anniversary, which I always like an agency to dog years. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know what seven times 15 is. I can't Especially do with it, the same name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Usually it's a name change or a complete exactly. rebrand or a founder yeah. or partner leaving. Yep. yep. So. Wow. You know, and I think uh, you've been uh, very involved in the Atlanta community, as you said, and in mm-hmm. the Southeast for yep. for a long time. So, what um, you know, Nicole, it's seven years in. What what strikes you? What makes Moto Moto special or different? I mean, aside from you know, Moira already talked about the great work we do to help our clients solve business problems, not just marketing problems, right? For me, at this point, that feels like table stakes in the adventure. Um, I think for me, it's also the people, right? So, you know, agency culture, I know you guys talk a lot about this, but Moto is filled with really smart, really great people who want to help their clients. And so for me, it's really rewarding to come to work every day. I never thought coming into the agency world that I would be here for seven years, right? Like this is a really great milestone to be celebrating. But I also feel like when we talk about there's lifers and agency, I get it, right? I get why it's addictive to be solving these problems and to be helping our clients. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Things so, change so fast. Oh, yeah. In the, in the B2B, in the marketing space, I mean, COVID threw everything for a loop. Then yep. you had the great resignation, and then every word changes, and everyone's got to yep. brand yeah. it and market it themselves. So, so I have to imagine that that pace of change has sped pretty quickly. I mean, at its core, we are B2B. I'm selling advertising to other businesses, and the scope and speed of how the business has changed has been so expedited over the past three years, and I don't see that pace slowing down uh, at least for a year and a half, two years. No, and, and, you know, when we were talking about it in prep for this, I I feel like, you know, I describe it as a sea change. It is a major fundamental shift. There have been a lot, um, you know, B2B companies by and large are mature markets. So they're, you know, it's like turning a battleship in a bathtub, right? Slow <laughs> moving. Um, but this has been unbelievable the last three years. You know, people that were making these, uh, you know, um, glacial changes, right? right? Who were like, nope, got to flip the switch. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and hopefully, because I think you're a believer in this, that's steeped in strategy yes. to some degree and not just yes. uh, a whim. But yeah, absolutely. I think, but I think some of it, and maybe you know, we'll, we'll dive in a little deeper. Is you know the things that are driving quicker change in that strategy, mm-hmm. whereas it used to take forever to start to uh, look at markets differently. Yep, yep. Well, it, that's where I I go back to this notion of comprehensive strategy, right? Because there are tactics and channels that change overnight and and budgets and and desire to change can happen overnight but the fundamentals of a business do not right they take time right especially in in b2b so if you're going to have a different customer experience you have to deliver a different customer experience you have to have your people understand a different um you know experience and so i think in order to be 
truly strategic, you have to have greater depth, greater substance, you know, which is why, you know, I wanted Nicole to, to be here today because, you know, our strategic investment in our clients goes well beyond their marketing, right? We understand how do they make money? Where do they fit in their ecosystem? Where they are in the Gartner Quadrant or the Forrester Wave or the, you know, the whatever. What does their CEO say on their investor calls? You know, that's as important for us to understand than, you know, as, as any marketing metric. Yeah, I that's, think like, that's a great a culture. point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think maybe ask Nicole the question is, you know, for many of your clients, you've got deep relationships. You know, who are you working with? Is it just the CMO or is, um, Morris said, is it some other people in the C-suite? I mean, is that, how does that change? And I think as business owners, how do you need to think about this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the age old answer in marketing is it depends, but in an ideal client relationship to your point trip, we have relationships outside of marketing. Um, so I think it's incredibly important that other functions like sales, like experience, revenue, whatever, are at the table for the conversations because that's when you can really get traction, when you understand what is important to them and how can we create that connective tissue between what we're doing in marketing, brand, et cetera, to what they're doing. And so with our clients, right, it, it really does range across the board depending on, you know, if they're mid-market, if they're Fortune 100, 500, you name it, or if we're working with uh, domestic clients versus, you know, overseas clients. But in general, right, we want to make sure that as many of those kind of stakeholders and players are brought to the table for the process because that's when you get the rich insight and that's when you really start to understand what makes them tick, makes their customers excited, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I will just say, too, I think this is an opportunity to to have people think differently about agencies the, the way we have engaged. Um, early on in Modo's history, we worked with a uh, variety of private equity companies. That was coming off the 2008 crash. So there were a lot of acquisitions. And those private equity companies brought us in before deals, yep. during deals. We sat in the room with the new placed management teams or the founders rolling off and uh, PE. And we had a complete, you know, insider's view of what was happening. And so we talk a lot about, you know, that there are benefits that agencies bring as outsiders because they can yeah. see your market. But is if you bring them inside and yeah. you let them have access to that. You get to what, see the good, bad, and the ugly, especially right. if you're talking private equity. You got to see the good, it, bad, exactly. and the ugly, which makes informed decisions and you are impartial right. and, as opposed to somebody who built the company. And, or, and we know where you want this brand and need this brand to be in five yeah. years, not just what this quarter's. Yeah, usually if it's private there. equity where you need the brand to yes. be. There's no want there. You exactly. need it to be there yeah. that time. And the CMO, I think, needs to have that awareness. I was lucky early in my career at KC. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my mentor as a president had been in my role years mm-hmm. before and his comment was look you own the agency relationship but I can step in mm-hmm. Marjorie as head of sales can step I want yeah. it to be a community yeah you own it you have the last vote but we're all in this together and yeah. I don't know how often that happens you see it but I think that that does set up a better you know overall environment yeah I well this is something that I think is really important the last couple of years too you know and I'm we're recruiting madly right now. And so I look at a lot of stats on turnover and in a lot of our clients, we are the greatest continuity they have. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we've had clients for 12 yeah. years, 10 years. Yeah. And that, that years. pace is just going to be sped up also. Yeah. That consistency of you guys will be sped up because people are going to be let go very quickly over and the next couple of years. So I think. as this turnover is happening, we get to reset 
those relationships. So, you know, there are new people showing up, and as yeah. they show up to the table, of course the agency goes to those meetings. We can be more informed then. And so yeah. um, I think we've, we also have had an opportunity, as the pages have been turned, to kind of reset how, how clients engage us. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's uh, really important. So we've been talking a little bit about your history and how you think about strategy and all that. When we come back from the break, we want to get into – you know, maybe a little bit of what makes B2B different from B2C, and then we'll talk about some of the trends that are going on uh, in the market today and where uh, where you uh, see that going. So uh, we're, we have uh, Maura Vetter and Nicole Wedekin with Moto Moto, and you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with our guests from uh, Moto Moto Agency. And you know, we were talking a little bit about uh, their focus on B2B and uh, you know, the fact that uh, we've, this is the third in our series of agency discussions. And uh, you know, Nick, what's your perspective so far compared to uh, you know, our two B2C focused agencies? Yeah, it's been refreshing to hear a bit about the approach. You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is the nature of the C-suite has changed a little bit. CMOs, in my experience, have their power reduced a little bit. I think the generation that they came up in, the data revolution was 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 new, so they didn't grow up with that data. And now you got these young kids flaring data around that are kicking those more creative CMO types out of those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's very smart to approach the salespeople and the and the finance people um, because I think that 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 C suite there's a lot more people on it. There's a CIO, a CTO. I've seen letters. I have to look it up. I'm like, I don't even know what that one is. <laughs> yeah. A CJO. I don't even know what these things are, uh, but it's refreshing to hear that. And ultimately, most of the times, not all the times, but a B2B client goes B2B to C because that business is selling to a consumer. So if you don't understand the consumer behavior, then it's hard to understand the business relationship. So the correlations between a B2C agency and a B2B agency are similar in that sense. Now, when you bring the B2B world, you're talking much larger deals where it's more important to have stronger relationships with individual large-scale people as opposed to scale and yep. millions of customers. So that's where the relationship is that important. So that's where I think the strategy of knowing your CMO and your CFO is, it comes into play r- really importantly here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious as we as this evolves and people are being laid off and, and just all these things and you, free money's gone you talk about private yep. equity yep. that free money is gone so yep. behaviors are going to change you being that consistent who are your competitors? Are, are you being RFP'd? Are people yeah. coming after you? Are there new startups in this space? Is the space of these B2B agencies shrinking? I'm curious yeah. more about the landscape of um, the, the business you serve um, because I think that's an important differentiation that I'll di- really, because you know, in B2C, there's a new agency every day. Yeah. There's an analytics yeah. agency, a digital agency, yeah. and our biggest frustration is personally, they don't even talk to each other. Yeah. So how are you saying you're in the client's best interest if all you're trying to do is get as much money for yourself as possible? In an yeah. ideal world, Digital talks to media, talks to analytics, talks to yep. everybody, and they all get together, and it just so rarely happens. Yep. So what does your space look like? Yep. Where do you stand in that space, and what do you see the change in that yep. space coming? So I, I feel like we are a different breed of cat, um, for sure. Uh, you know, we did a uh, we had a relationship with Gartner, and they uh, acquired a company that's very invested in the marketing space because of MarTech. and. Yep. Um, understanding um, all of those things. And so we did a uh, vendor briefing on the agency space. And part of what 
makes the B2B landscape so different, and it's been decimated, right? There is no B2B agency landscape. Yeah. Let's, you know, like we, we have a blue ocean or a green field yeah. or whatever analogy you want to use. Are you sure you want to be telling people that? Yeah. It's true. <laughs> oh, they can't, they can't, but we barriers have. Barriers to entry are high. Barriers to entry are uh-huh. up here, yes. So come on, everybody. Yeah. It'll take you 10 years to get to us. Um, but, you know, the, the thing there is there are, B2B is the long game and the big game. And nothing happens overnight. And the amount of understanding you have to have, the awareness, all these things, the differences between sales and financial model and distribution channels and all the things, you know, to be substantive and know what those things mean and then to be able to pull that out of a client and to, to apply it uh, to a brand is really hard to do. So, um there aren't a lot of really good B2B agencies or large uh, agencies. Um, some of them uh, recently disbanded. So, you know, yeah. we, we really feel like, yes, we're getting RFP'd because I think a lot of people want to make sure they're doing. To me, RFPs are people doing due diligence, mm-hmm. right, and being able to tell somebody, I checked the boxes and I talked to more than one, right? Um, so we get those, but pretty immediately, uh, I'll give you an example. I won't out my source, but... Yeah. We had a conversation the other day. This is the first of six calls that I'm going to have. I'm going to identify six agencies. We're going to bring that down to three, and then three are going to move forward. And so we had a 30-minute call with the contact, and at the end of the contact said, and that process I talked about, I already know you're one of the three, and I haven't determined who the other six or two are, but I want to go ahead and set up the meeting with you and the CMO. So. You know, it is really, it's hard to find people that have the kind of experience that we have. Um, And, you know, I think uh, also we're really invested in teaching that to our people. Uh, At some point, I know we want to talk about that, about this kind of the disconnect between the entry ramp to employment on the B2C side of the world and what uh, education people get coming out of school versus what you need to be to come into a B2B agency. So, yeah. No, and I think, you know, when I look back at it, you know, the, anytime we had a strategic agency, you know, that first time might be a year, you know, kind of mm-hmm. review. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we were typically on a three-year, yeah. you know, with the strategic yeah. agencies. Yes. And I would say in just about every case at my couple of stops, I, I can't think of once where we didn't have probably two runs. So it was more yep. of a six-year relationship. And at that point, sometimes, I mean, in one case, uh, the agency, we took a break, yep. you know, for a couple of years and they yep. came back. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yep. it wasn't a negative. It just was, you know, we probably needed new voices, both of yep. us. Yep. But it is. I love what you said, the long game. Yeah, it, it's absolutely the long game. And, um, you know, the, the notion of, um, you know, when you're talking about enterprise technology, right, which is something B2B often uh, deals with, you know, it the, the switching cost is real, right? It's, it's the time, it's the money, it's the people, it's the pain. It's the same with a B2B agency, right? We, we, no, we don't simply understand this quarter's thing and, and, you know, the brand standard to be applied to a billboard. It, it goes so much deeper. Right. And so, um, you know, I think there are, there's good and bad with that, right? There's a very high expectation. There, there's true partnership expected. Um, and, you know, you have to work through things just like you would in a marriage. Like you said, yes. sometimes you have to take a break and then you come <laughs> <Yeah>. back refreshed. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an important part. One of the things we talked about a little bit B2C is it also takes time to build real rapport. 
And especially with a business with high level decisions, if they don't have that rapport with you and trust with you, then how are they going to empower you to make those decisions? Um, And when you start with something, you're starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. You're starting a relationship from scratch. I mean, I know with our clients, once you make it past two or three years, they'll never leave because the trust is built, the rapport is there. You know, we probably got out and had beers together and I've heard the real numbers and where the real Mm -hmm. margins are. And it's very hard for someone to leave once that trust is built. You know, I joke about it, but you know, Digital agencies, if you get into Google Analytics, how can you fail? You know everything yeah. about a business. Once you, it's a surprising you're not let in on that more. So I think that's a, a really key point that, that trust and it's even harder on the B2B space for sure. I think, you know, as this is really new to a lot of people, I believe, um, talk a little bit about, you know, uh, what you do for clients, what mm-hmm. services you offer, and then we'll put you a little bit on the spot here. What are you best at? Yep. What is your calling card? Yep. Um, I see Nicole smirking over there. Yeah. So maybe we go maybe we go over to her. But but just <laughs> I think it's important to know, right? Like you talk enterprise software. That's not yep. the first thing that comes to mind. But yep. my goodness gracious, if you don't have your CRM system set up and yep. how you're doing predictive analytics, if you don't have a good yep. basis. So talk a little bit about the services you offer and how that's different than the B2C space. And then gloat a little bit, if you will, about okay. your yeah. core competencies and what you're best at. Do you, do you want to take this? Sure. Okay. Um, you know, I. I think there's obviously the the core bread and butter of what you think of an agency, right? We we do brand strategy, we do integrated marketing campaigns, we do all of the due diligence around that. But I think what makes us special goes back to what Moira was talking about at the beginning of the conversation, which is all of the places where the complexity comes into play. So whether that's creating that connective tissue with sales, rolling out things internally, right? Change management. You think about these organizations who are going through these periods of business transformation. Um, there's so many dynamics at play and so much of what we do isn't necessarily marketing, right? We're coming in there and we're helping them. We're being consultative. We're helping with communications. Um, so there's so many things that don't fit squarely in a marketing box but I think because we're able to do that and to connect it back to the marketing campaigns and all of the goals that we have there, I think that's really where what we have to offer is different. Did you get pulled in by any clients in the last year, you know, the great resignation and all that and working with HR as far as internal? You talked about recruitment a minute ago, but mm-hmm. even internal, you know, how to retention. Um, you know, we've had some people on talking about that and be curious you know, some agencies may just say, no, that's not our space. But, you know, how have you approached that? So I, I we can go back to you in a minute. But, I, the, you know, to me, there is one brand, right? It, yes, there are layers to it, right? There's internal, there's external. Um, but we had a tremendous amount of this. And, and again, I go back to the private equity example. When mm-hmm. you're doing private equity, you want to know what's the business, where is it headed, Okay, does everybody, does the new management team understand that? Have we gotten the, everybody on board? Great, now let's go to market like that. It's no different in one of these large organizations. If they're going through digital transformation or they have radically changed who they are in the world, they have to make sure that everybody understands and believes and breathes and is the brand. Now, you know, with, with um, I think, an added ripple that the pandemic added was mental health issues, right, mm-hmm. strains on health and wellness and, you know, uh, everything, diversity, equity, inclusion, and be belonging, right? You know, all the things that make people feel connected in the world. And so to us, it's a natural progression, right? You don't dis- – yeah. it's not, oh, you'll have to talk to an internal com or employer brand company. They're, they are together. And so – we have multiple clients right now 
um, that we we really span the gamut from you know business strategy into the brand internal and external, and then how you take that out to market or how you bring people into how you bring the engagement in. So we do a ton of it. Well, and I think with you know these really large enterprise organizations. You know, we can find ourselves in a place where the internal comms or the HR division is not necessarily connected to the brand team. And so part of the role that we can play is saying, you're telling this story and HR, you're telling this story. How do we connect those and build something that brings both to light? And so I think that's where, you know, in these organizations that are trying to pivot and move quickly, that's where I think having someone who can take a step back and say, you might be missing this golden opportunity to bring these two stories together. And it's it's not because you don't, it, you haven't thought about it. It's because you probably don't have time, right? Well, and so I was having someone say, to help I love with that, that. Because you probably have the ability to make that phone call to your in both contacts, mm-hmm. whereas they're running every day and they just, they're on different floors, they're in different offices, whatever it happens. And they have different be. agendas. Yeah. Right? Exactly. They have completely different agendas. Yeah. You talk about like a sales and a marketing department. That's what we deal with. The yeah. agenda is completely different. The marketing's agenda is to get as many people into the ecosystem. The sales agenda is to monetize it at all means possible. Yeah. A third party is the only one that can be impartial and point them impartial and point them in the right direction yeah yep. so you know we we hit on that a little bit but what other things what are you seeing in the landscape that's changing now how are you um you know trying to he- help your clients react to some of the you know the post-pandemic or the current uh, maybe economic volatility how are you looking at yeah. things well you know one of the themes that um comes up a lot with our clients because these are businesses that are you know these are leader leading businesses, right? They've been around for mm-hmm. We've got clients that have been around since the 1800s, right? You know, they, 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 they're not going anywhere. And the challenge for companies like that is evolving, right? Mm-hmm. And to connect yeah. to the new generation, right? And there is always a new generation. And um, what they expect is different. And so I think a lot of the things that we are looking at, the pandemic opened a lot of our clients' eyes to trying to tap into markets they were not speaking with or, you know, the new relevant you know, customers that they had not made a priority, but also the ways that you have to engage those um, customers. So I think that's a big part. And another theme with our clients is that when there is volatility, there are winners as well as losers, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in the consumer marketplace, I think you immediately go, ooh, bad economy, bad for customers. How do we make people feel better now that things are bad? In a B2B reality, you actually have some businesses that rise sure. when there is yeah. And they rise because yes. others fall also. Right. Correct. Right? And especially right. in some of these fields where you just know, and usually the ones who have the most established brands yes. who market it the best way are the ones who make it through that yes. duration. And they market more in the downturn because they know that their competitors are going to be weeded out, especially the ones that shouldn't have had brands to begin with. And we see it all the time. Correct. And, you know, I think the important thing there, uh, a phrase that you'll hear us talk about a lot, is not being tone deaf, right? There is a way to be responsive and evolve and and serve what people need when they need it um, without being opportunistic, you know, if if situations are bad. And and I will also say, I think there's been a bit of a whip where that is concerned over the last um, year because we went from nine months ago to there are, you know, we will never find enough talent and we have eight million open jobs to within a nine month window, just as a lot of these recruitment campaigns are launching 
oops, just kidding. We just laid off, you know, 10,000 people. You know, it's... It, it's And that's consumer goods, too. Yeah. Like, travel right. has that yeah. same whip because all of a sudden, all that pent-up demand, everyone's traveling, and then they're yeah. going to look at their bank accounts. They can't make car payments, but they have yeah. flights to Italy planned. Yeah. So I think that yeah. most markets are going to see that whiplash yeah. for, for a considerable amount of time. Um, and I'm curious, you know, that change you're talking about, mm-hmm. what do you tell people who built that strategy? How do you kind of stop them from going over the edge about, you built this strategy, it's based on long-term, but the market is just swinging like crazy, what advice do you give them? What, what, what are you telling them right now when they think, they feel like they're forced, they have to make a change? What is the advice that you guys give them in this current state? I'm going to get this one thing out. Yeah. And then you do. I, I think that the ability to be flexible and to think of marketing plans as systems, right? I, when I go back, let's say 10 years, right? Yep. And I've been doing marketing for 30 years. When you go back 10 years, everybody planned for the year and planned for the quarter and produced all the work and then launched all the work, right? And so if you needed to be agile, right, you, you were and, not... And put it in the big binder on yeah, the shelf yes, for everyone, right? you know, okay. the jokes we make. So you couldn't change quickly enough. And then you had the complete flip of that. You went to the pandemic where people were living day to day and you could not think long term. And so you've got to have this happy medium of we have to be able to change. We have to have enough real time insight to change. Change or lack of performance is not a bad thing. It means you're reading the tea leaves and right. your understanding, but we have to be able to change. And so some of that is just, again, changing how people think about their marketing, how they budget for it, how they communicate with each other about how long something will live. Um, you know, One of the things um, I wonder, I know you guys have mentioned in the past, you know, you're doing a lot in the technology space and you're probably investing in your own technology. How does that tie into it, you know, to be that flexibility? What are you looking at? Or with your client, um, is that a is that a key part of where you choose to invest and how to help them be flexible and looking at those systems and ever changing plans? I think we have to always be tech savvy, but we're you know we're not value added resellers. We're not, we're not yeah. schlepping systems. We we're we're not um, which is important, right? Yeah. We we're technology agnostic, just like we're channel agnostic. You know, the, to, to me, the thing that works is what works for the customer, what engages the customer. Um, and so, uh, but there's no question that the speed of change with technology mm-hmm. and all the systems that people use means that you have to keep, you know, investing in your own talents to connect. Um, and I definitely think on the, the MarTech side of the house, that's one that we're more strongly invested. Uh, our media department, as we expand media and the connectivity between media and our strategy function. Um, I think it's not so much use of technology to deploy the technology, but use of technology to derive insight. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely yeah. Yeah. I know personally I get <clears throat> contacted for some sort of marketing tech, whether it be mm-hmm. lead yeah. generation. I mean, I'm talking like yep. 50, oh. 100 a, a, yeah. a week. And like I know they're spending money on it. I mean, it's just a shame that, you know, and, and LinkedIn is the main resource, but it's a shame to see it because the problem I found with the Internet, everyone's got their hands out for a cut. So yeah. by the time you buy a service, there's three different vendors, a tech, a tech executor. Everybody's got their hand out, which means you're paying fees for other people to take on all the stuff. So I think being agnostic is really important. What about risk management? So we're going into a slow time now, and, and some of the things are risk, right? Is, is how much are you willing to spend to ge- generate your results? As you guys go through this stuff, are you making those sort of recommendations? Are you watching, come, is now the time to be more risky, less risky? What are you seeing? Are people handling risk differently? Because um, I have to imagine in that B2B space, that's something that's talked about frequently. It, it is, but I feel like in 
in B2B, it is a long game. I mean, sales, we have clients, and I'm not kidding, we have a client that has 15-year sales cycles. Well, you know, yeah. that, 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 the, that, mitigate, that's that gets rid of risk. That's right. like a stock market. Right. In 15 right. years, so, the money's going to go up. It's easy. Seven years, you know, we've got a client right now that we are talking about um, thought leadership, and they've already sold all their capacity, and they're starting on 2025 sales, right? So this is not. This yeah. this is this is the extreme between B two C and B two B where um, r- risk is a very different thing. The risk is not being relevant in three years. Mm-hmm. It is not that we overspent this quarter's budget or that we used the wrong channel. Um, and so it's it's just a totally different. Yeah, that makes reality. sense. I'm yeah. glad I asked the question because yeah. it puts that context right. over B two C. So yeah. you know, this will be the one sports analogy I, I use when you're talking about that. Is I always I don't remember, believe it. You're going to have another sports yeah, analogy. Yeah, probably. But the old <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. It's not you know when you talked about transforming. It's not about you know sh- you know passing the puck to where they are today. It's I want to pass the puck where they're going to be. Yes. In, ahead. And when you talked about you know getting people to look at their strategy different and maybe their tactics and channels because we need to be where the next generation or the new generation is. I mean, Nicole, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but how do you think about that and and making sure you get your clients aligned with where they need to be going, not where they are right this minute? Mm -hmm. I think what's really important for that is going back to changing the conversation away from the tactics. Not that the, the conversation around the tactics isn't important. I'm not saying that. It's we have to understand what that North Star vision is first. And so, you know, Moira was talking about earlier the the call where, um, you know, there was the, the RFP and we're talking to six different agencies. And the conversation started with we need a campaign that is specific to these two tactics. But where we got to with the conversation is, well, what are you trying to do and where's your where are you struggling in the market? And it became tactic agnostic. Once we understood that, right, then we can come back around and say, I know you're talking about these two tactics, or I know these are important to you, and historically these have been the things that you've put a lot of investment in, but we think there's opportunity in this new channel or in this new tactic that we would like to test, right? And that's where having the right technology and the right infrastructure to say, do we see this moving the needle comes to play. Um, so we try not to start the conversation around tactics. Um, and there's a lot, I think, with B2B, you know, there's a lot of push when something happens in consumer to say, how does that apply to B2B? But I think for us, right, we want to be more conservative in making sure that it's going to be the right recommendation. And that's for, you know, you talk about risk. There's a lot of risk in being the first mover on a channel. And most of our clients, if you're, you know, 150 years old, that's yeah. not the brand you want to be. Yeah, and the sales cycle's so long, right? If you're if you capitalize on the risk and you hit it, it's an immediate instant gratification. But if you're talking to even a five-year sales cycle, that immediate instant gratification is not as important to it mm-hmm. all. So that makes a ton of sense. My, my pet peeve was, and I had a few <laughs> president CEOs who would go, my spouse. Ah! My daughter is really big into this. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it went both sides. I'm not saying male, female, yeah. spouse. Yes. But I got mm-hmm. it both ways. I'm just yep. like, okay. Um, I don't think your spouse is one of our clients. Yep. No, that's, that's the easiest, you know, honestly, that often not only the spouse isn't, you're not, right? I mean, that's the, that's yeah. the challenge we have. Um, you know, in, in B2B, you often get this committee where, you have an economic buyer, you have a technical buyer, 
uh, you have a financial buyer, you know, all these different kind of committee. And if it's like one of our clients is um, wound care solutions, right, and healthcare. You know, you can have a marketer. I'm pretty sure the marketer is not a clinical wound care sure. specialist, and you may not like something, but you know, the the you know, you're not you are not your audience. No, I think that's yeah. a great point, and we'll um, we'll dive into that a little bit more when we come back from the break, and uh, also get a few more of uh, Moto Moto's mm-hmm. uh, opinions around marketing. And you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll <laughs> be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with our uh, special guest from Moto Moto Agency, Maura Vetter and Nicole Wedekin. And, you know, we were, we've, God, we've covered a lot of ground. And I think, you know, what you've been talking about, you know, from the whole business perspective, uh, thinking about where the future is going with your clients, Let's, I'm going to ask you the question, what would be, you know, the, the reason someone or maybe the size of company or, or just the environment they're going through, what would be a company, a B2B company that really should be thinking about getting help from an agency, a strategic marketing is, um, the investment is typically smaller than on a consumer side. So from a spend standpoint, um, you know, I, I do think you need to be uh, a larger small business or a mid-sized business typically to be really setting aside money. So, you know, typically our clientele would be uh, 30 million, you know, 100 million, right? So you're really starting to get into that. You're an Inc. 5000 company, right? So scale is situational. Well, right? So you talked about yes, PE. PE if they're, if it's the size company, yep. PE starting to invest in. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But and I love the word scale there yep. because yep. there's some businesses that have no intention no, to scale. They are completely no inten- content yes. with their $20 million. Correct. They never plan to be bigger. Yep. And yes. there are some that it works so well here. Let's move to Chattanooga. Let's move to these adjacent yep. markets. So that, yep. that makes so a So there's sense. a lot of B2B organizations that are so sales centric that may be working that aren't planning to scale. Uh, maybe they're relational and, and maybe they won't be forever, but they don't necessarily need an agency. But if you are trying to scale your business, to tap new markets, to become more sophisticated at how you use all these different marketing techniques, mm-hmm. that's where an agency is amazing because a, a B2B company cannot afford, like we have uh, about 40 team members at Moto. And, you know, we do have developers and copywriters and designers, but we have marketing strategists, brand strategists, media people that understand, you know, all these different things. And it is not, you cannot afford as a $20 million, $30 million company to have a team of 40 on staff that have all those disciplines that are changing. And so that's the benefit of you know, waking up one day yeah. and going, we are not only a going concern, we are a scaling concern. This is serious and we need the professionals. But directly tied to revenue growth also, right? When you talk Correct. about scaling, yes. you're tying yourself to something that will grow the overall revenue base of the company, Correct. which makes you almost a revenue creator every time. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the recurring revenue, right? right? You see this a lot where, you know, I mentioned the sales model, right? If, if I know, if Bob has had this account for 15 years and Bob knows they're always going to buy from him, he probably doesn't need a lot of marketing help. But if Bob only sells to automotive and they have to get into hospitality, mm-hmm. you need marketing to build a brand, to generate awareness, you know, to get in over there. Yeah. Yep. For how, how about fee structure? Again, since we're, telling, we're talking to people who potentially are customers, how does fee structure work? Typical agency, they take 15%. They're on a retainer. All yeah. different models. All of ours is 
fee-based and project-based. We're not taking percentages of anything because in some cases there is no media spend, right? There, yep. In a lot of these cases, right? If, if you've got an audience of 1,000 buyers, <laughs> you're not buying billboards and TV. So it wouldn't be a percentage of something. So we really built our business around paying for the thinking that, you know, and sometimes it, it ends up in campaigns. Sometimes it ends up in programs and processes that help the internal teams do things differently and better. I mean, uh, you, you had made a comment a, a minute ago about coaches. You know, I think there's also a part of our role as consultant and coach to, you know, all of our client contacts about how to effectively manage communications, how to think about what they're doing, how to share within an organization um, all of those things. Um, well, to that point, um, I'm curious because we talked about CMO tenure, and I, I, I've seen it. I know mm-hmm. you've seen it mm-hmm. where someone comes in new as a CMO to yep. an organization, maybe hasn't been in that industry, maybe is only a specialist. Yep. I got to believe, you know, all the things you talk about, the business, the strategy, you can be, in a way, that coach to that new CMO in Absolutely. some organizations. Yeah, and I, I think, though, it also, it, you have to have a respect for what has come before, and you also have to have respect for where things are going and what yeah. the new people are intended or have been tapped to bring to the table. And I think that's something that we always do with our clients. We 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 have, and I think this is important in B2B too, there, we do not throw out the old. We do not <laughs> throw out the people who have been there because that wisdom is necessary to um, you know, help inform the thing. But um, we definitely, we have clients that are probably on their fifth or sixth CMO since we've been yeah, there. Wow, that's um, crazy. It's crazy wow. to think about because yeah. the tenure you would think for a CMO is so yep. long that fifth or sixth, yep. I mean, yep. you've seen no, it all. Year, year and a half. You're such a resource yeah. to anyone above that. How do you deal with that, Nicole? Well, I was going to add to what she was saying. Some of what we're doing is also educating why you shouldn't throw something out, right? Yeah. I think the tendency when someone new comes in is clear the desk, Let's look at this with fresh lens, which I think is great. But a lot of times there's a lot of uh, kind of uh, intentionality in building to that place. Right. And so let's see what we can keep and then let's see what we need to pivot to align with kind of whatever the new direction or new vision that they're bringing to the table. And so, again, you know, Moira talked about earlier in the conversation, sometimes we've been there so long, we have the historical of why, and they might be looking at something without the con- like the context behind what was the strategy. And so some of the times we're coming in and we're saying, let us walk you through the journey of how we got here and how the strategy has pivoted. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that's where it needs to continue to be, but we want to make sure that you understand all of the different inflection points along the way that got us to this place so that we can say, okay, how, how do we redirect moving forward together? How often do they listen? Because I'm wondering if there are any I told you so moments sure. that either of you have in your heads where you told them some sound advice and they just chose to look past it. Uh, we don't have to go into that segment. I see the smirk on your face. That will do. That will do. That will do. I'm just curious. I, I would say culturally we're not I told you so people. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That's how you get a long-term relationship. Yeah. Right? right. It's like understand you have on to, to test that Move thinking on. and now let's look at where we are. And so I think that's important too. You know, you talk a lot about agencies and what they're like and culturally you know we we are a different kind of agency yeah. right we believe we have we we earned our seat at the table and uh we are not transient creative you know foo-foo people that are that are just here 
we really have substance to bring. And, um, you know, I think that mutual respect is what, again, really deepens the relationships we yeah. have with our clients. No question. Um, we're getting close to the end of time, but anything in the future, anything that's crystal ball? Uh, we are in a, a more reactive reality. Uh, I would say since the pandemic, you know, people kind of got back into that. We're living quarter to quarter, uh, which means that the uh, response time has just, you know, it, it's just accelerated so much. And often the agency is kind of the whip end of that, right? It's like uh, we've talked about it for six months and now the agency has one week to activate something. And generationally, uh, the people in B2B uh, who have done this for 20 and 30 years may have come up in a time when agencies worked 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week. There was always somebody at the shop at one o'clock in the morning. And um, the recent you know, discussions that I've had with clients is really to help them understand. Fat little baby. Right? It, it is not simply the health right. and well-being and the balance and the belonging that we want for employees in other organizations, but not in the agency. We need agency people to have that balance, too. And so right. we are not going to work around the clock. And so, you know, it, it means that we all need to plan better. We need to partner better mm -hmm. so that we can be there for you, but our people are whole as well. And I think what you've uh, said today is that you really think it through so it is not a crash course at the yeah. end. And I think Correct. that's, yeah. you know, we, we've been fortunate to have uh, Maura Vetter and Nicole Wedekin from Moto Moto Agency. I think it's motomotoagency.com yes. if you want mm -hmm. to uh, find them out there. So. Uh, fantastic uh, discussion today. Thank you so much for being here. And for Nick Constantino and myself, this has been the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business. And it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.